0: I'm Ash and I'm Heather. Welcome Welcome to Pisces Pisces Rising.
1: Go deep or go home. We're two astrologers who both have Pisces Rising in our charts and we want to talk about astrology with you.
0: All right, welcome to Pisces Rising, Heather and Ash. Today we're going to be talking about the aspects between Venus and Pluto. We're going to be talking about Venus, we're going to be talking about Pluto, and how they are together, and we picked a chart from one of our listeners to read today, which we'll be doing at the end, along with some famous people's charts to give an explanation or a comparison of how and why the aspects of these two planets flow like they do.
1: Venus is the planet that rules over love and beauty and artistic creations, creativity. It can rule over physical appearance to some extent, but it has more to do with partnership and how you look at relationships as a whole. Intimacy,
0: sensuality, how you decorate your home, what you enjoy, the luxuries of life. It could be indulgent and addictive as well. Things that feel good sometimes aren't always good for us. But Venus is really more of a pleasure-oriented planet.
1: Venus is considered one of the benefic planets in traditional astrology it was thought to bring luck and fortune and it's considered really one of the positive influences cosmically and like Heather said there are some darker elements to Venus which we'll be getting into once we include Pluto in the mix but a lot of that has to do with the energy of Pluto and not so much with Venus. Venus also has a six-week orbit depending on if it goes into
0: retrograde or not it stays in each sign about six weeks and orbits pretty close to the sun
1: yes so your venus sign is pretty likely to be close to your sun sign and your mercury they're not going to orbit too far away from from that yeah it usually
0: is the same as your sun one before or one after so say if your sun sign is in pisces venus could be in aquarius pisces or aries
1: We are going to have a Venus retrograde later this year in 2020. We can talk more about that later, but Venus retrograde is kind of the one that brings back exes and or thoughts of relationships of the past, lessons learned in that. It can bring around old partnerships. So Venus does rule partnerships as well as romantic relationships. So if there's someone that you're working with creatively, that could be a Venus relationship, could be a teamwork element to the relationship. So you will want to check out where Venus is in your chart, what sign it's in and what house it's in. That can show you where in your life you utilize that Venusian energy the most.
0: And check if it's in retrograde. That might show that relationships might sometimes feel a little more complicated. It might feel a little harder to feel depending on what it's in. But always checking if your planets are in retrograde, which they'll have a little R next to it, if they are, is really helpful.
1: Yeah, I've actually heard, and there seems to be some truth to this theory, that if you have a retrograde planet in your birth chart, that the transiting retrogrades don't impact you quite as much. So if you were born during Mercury retrograde, then you don't suffer as much during Mercury retrograde periods as the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I've experienced that before, too. I have a bunch of planets when I was born that were in retro, and I sometimes don't even understand the big deal when people are always like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde! It seems like, okay, that might be just what you know, but there's other astrological elements that go way more deep than that, and I either wonder if it's because I don't feel it as intensely as other people, or if it's just something that affects other people way more than it affects me.
1: So Venus, you might want to look at if there are any aspects forming to Venus, and you'll look at your birth chart, and you'll see the lines that are going from Venus to other planets, or if your Venus is right next to other planets, then that would be a conjunction. And there is software and programs that can help you to determine what aspects, if you're not sure, or you can... An astrology reading to learn what natal aspects you have to Venus. But these can be very helpful in sort of filling in the picture of how your Venus is, how your relationships are going to be, and how you interact with that element of your life. Shall we move to Pluto? Yeah.
0: Pluto is one of my favorite planets. It is supposed to be subtle. Astrologers will interpret it as subtle, but I don't find it subtle at all. I feel like it's very obviously transformative. When you're in it, you might not realize the intensity of it because it feels so heavy. It sometimes is hard to see what it brings, but Pluto for sure brings the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the underworld, it's the plumbing in your house, it's your intestines, it's your shadow work, it's the energy that allows transformation. I find it very similar to a chrysalis weaving beautiful silk around you, becoming really tight to open up your wings and soar to great heights. It does sometimes feel like punishment, But it brings great emotional liberation, especially when you are experiencing a Pluto transit or in your chart, if you have a Pluto in a harmonious place, its natural place, it's ruled by Scorpio, or if you have it in Capricorn or a place where it makes sense, the end result brings more gifts and experiences and understanding and growth and evolution more than any other planet.
1: One of the things that I notice about Pluto is that it is all about power and control, and that part of it can be a little subtle. So Pluto is really about wanting to assert dominance, but not in an outward way, not in like a Mars way. Like Mars is going to be like, I'm ready to be the boss, and everyone's going to know it. Whereas Pluto wants to figure out subtle ways to gain the most control without outwardly declaring that. Somebody who has a very strong like Sun-Pluto connection might be someone who observes a situation for a long period of time to figure out what the best way to ascend to the top would be and to figure out what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are and operate from that. It can be subtle in that way, but when Pluto is transiting one of your natal planets, or if you have a Pluto aspect in your chart, It can be very obvious. Like, I find Pluto transits to be very obvious as well. They bring about massive transformation. One thing about them is that Pluto is the slowest moving of the planetary bodies. It's the furthest from the sun. So often we'll be in a Pluto transit for a year, sometimes a few years off and on. As Pluto retrogrades back and back through the degrees, it will stay in a sign for 14 years. So you can really sink into a Pluto slump or you can use that for greatness. And because you're in it for so long, it can start to become more subtle feeling just because it's what you're used to. But then as it lets up, you realize, wow, that actually wasn't my life. That was just this transit, this season of my life.
0: Those are some good points about the subtlety of it because it can be manipulative in a positive and negative way. Manipulation is just to form the emotional energy into a way that you want it to go. So that's not always direct. Sometimes like water, and Pluto's very watery, it's actually more like oily. It will get in the cracks and adjust around as it picks up the information and becomes it to figure it out, and then evolves past it to get the energy it learned to do what it wants to do. So that's, I think, where the observation comes in, and there is manipulation, but manipulation can be just as good as it is bad. You could be manipulating people to control and to gaslight them and get them to do what you want to do, or you can manipulate situations to benefit your life and figure out how people need to be talked to and work with in a more gentle, subtle way to help your business grow or help get a job in acting or directing. I bet you actually there's a lot of intense Pluto aspects with directors when you think about directing a film and having to get people to show a certain emotion, directors with high Pluto energy or intense Pluto aspects can probably articulate that energy really well. This is how you want to feel. This is what you want to compare it to. For example, comparing Pluto to tar or to oil, it's malleable, it's dark, but it's also saturating and giving and a little bit toxic. I mean, Pluto's plutonium. There's a little bit of... Toxic energy in that, but sometimes a little bit of toxicity, like a little bit of radiation, can burn out the bad and really bring the strength and the growth out pretty quickly. When you're done with a Pluto transit, that's when there's no subtleties about it. It's like you were doing the doggy paddle and then you're standing up on Earth breathing in the air really clearly. You feel free. When a Pluto transit is done, There is a sense of freedom that comes with it. I'm pretty sure that Nelson Mandela was in jail during a very intense Scorpio and Pluto transit. And when that transit ended, he was freed.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to describe the feeling of a Pluto transit. And another word that might come up with Pluto is obsession. I find that Pluto tends to fixate on things. And until it has it it's not going to think about anything but that. So if you find yourself going through a Pluto transit or if you have a natal Pluto aspect looking at where Pluto is transiting your chart might show you in what area of your life you're going to be feeling this obsession. So it's almost like that area of your life where you need the control and it's going to be hard to think about anything other than that. And that's where it's going to be helpful and healthy to bring in some awareness to what's going on because otherwise, if you're not aware of it, it can really take you over and make it hard to think about anything other than what Pluto is touching. A
0: Pluto conjunct Venus could be obsession with a person, too.
1: Not everyone is going to have a Venus-Pluto aspect in their natal chart. But you may go through a transit where your Venus is aspected by Pluto or vice versa. And so it might be useful and helpful to know a little bit about how these two planets interact. And honestly, seeing how two different planets interact is one of my favorite elements of astrology. Just seeing how these planets get along, how their energies are different when you have different aspects forming. It's
0: the soul and the core of astrology, really, those lines that you see in the middle that are creating those geometric shapes. They're either playing tug-of-war with you or they feel like a beautiful instrument, just pulling your strings and making beautiful sounds. I like to refer to transiting aspects as if you were a guitar and there's strings running through you and through your chakra system. Sometimes a transiting planet will pluck one of those strings and it will be really tight and make a very unpleasant sound and be really painful and there's resistance and sometimes there's a more flowing transit that just makes everything strum together really well and makes the sound good, but it pulls at you like strings. These planets that are transiting were like puppets to them, and it doesn't mean that they control us. It just means you really have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So paying attention to your transits and your aspects is absolutely the key to astrology, but it's also the more complex part of it that takes... A bit of work to learn, because you have to learn the planet, the sign, and then do the planet and sign get along, or do they not get along?
1: Yeah, there's many layers to astrology, and I feel like I, even though I've been studying for years and years, it I'm always still learning, and I feel like I'll be learning new things about astrology for the rest of my life. But it's such a powerful tool if you know how to use it.
0: That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching you how to use it. So
1: what do you want to start with? A
0: trine?
1: Yeah, so when Venus and Pluto are in trine in the natal chart, this is going to be a little more gentle, a little more harmonious. The trine aspect is when the two planets are in the same element. So if you had Pluto in Scorpio and Venus in Pisces, that would be a trine. And it's not always going to be an exact trine If you have planets in those elements, the planets will need to be within a few, usually like six to eight degrees to be considered in exact aspect with one another.
0: Yes, so you want to look at the numbers next to the planets. So say if you have a Pluto in Scorpio, which lots of people in the millennial generation do, your Plutos in Scorpio say it's 20 degrees, and you have a Venus and Pisces at 20 degrees, that would be an exact trine. If it was at 26 degrees, Venus and Pisces and Pluto was 20 degrees, that would be a looser trine. But if you had, let's say, a Venus and Pisces at zero degrees and a Pluto at 20 degrees, that would not be making the angle.
1: You need Typically within, I usually do about six degrees, and even then, that's considered a lot weaker. So, if you do have a trine within six degrees, you're not going to feel it as much as someone who has an exact trine.
0: So, the way that Venus and Pluto get along, especially in a trine, is that's a, I would say that's a highly sexual combination. You have Pluto, this Underworld, loin, sexual, sensual energy that's deep and mystical. And then you have this Venus luxury of wanting to touch everything. And it's very sensual and it's very um, easygoing. Especially, again, you have to think of what the planets are in. But as far as just a basic trine of the Venus and Pluto. no matter what they're in, it's going to bring a little bit of a sexual and sensual comfort level where you might not necessarily feel uptight or shameful about things that are considered by some people private. There's going to be more of an easygoing flow there. You might be more apt to pursue people in relationships, more confident about things like that changing in relationships or because of relationships or needing that support or that validation to change might come from other people. So seeking relationships out with a trine could be it, but you could also be extremely independent and have more self-worth and self-esteem having that trine as you're not going to be facing the obstacles a square or opposition would bring.
1: So I'm looking at a few celebrities with Venus trying Pluto in their natal chart, and we have Jimi Hendrix, Ricky Martin, Boy George. So those are all very confident, sort of eccentric people, but that also have a lot of sex appeal in some way, a little bit of an unusual sex appeal, and something that's different and unique about them. There's almost like a magnetism that happens with those people. And even some of the others is like Donna Summer and Evil Knievel. There's just a lot of larger-than-life personalities here.
0: And moving from the groin, I mean, Ricky Martin and then... The revolution that Boy George brought out, yeah, all that has a little bit to do with sex, love, and relationships. And like, accept me. I accept me. You need to accept me.
1: Exactly. And I know that Jimi Hendrix, like, I don't know that he ever had like a long-term girlfriend, really. He was known for being kind of maybe more single, but he always had some girls around him. He was just very attractive and magnetized people to him through his music and just through his attitude and his aura
0: he was also a Sagittarius right yes yeah so they're known for not being able to be monogamous
1: yeah and I mean maybe if he had lived longer he would have settled down but in his life yeah we didn't really get to see that
0: so Pluto square Venus this is going to bring some conflict in relationships Um, it's going to make you work harder if you are in a relationship. If you're in a long-term committed relationship, it will maybe make you work to the bones of that relationship, maybe not wanting to change it, wanting to feel secure in it, not wanting to feel uncomfortable. So working really hard through the discomfort to gain security in it. I think that Venus Square, Pluto, they're long-termers. They're long-termers in partnerships. They're long-termers in dedication to themselves and what they love. They face a lot of obstacles, but they love so hard that they work through those obstacles, and it helps to make them better and stronger and more understanding. But they also get stuck in it. So a lot of the times... It's like you're doing crossword and you're stuck on that one word for like months. Like, oh, what do I do? It takes a lot for them to pick their head up out of the groundhog hole and see another option. But they do because they don't stop trying. Sometimes they just focus more on the problem than the solution. Sometimes the better thing that I believe a Venus square. Pluto could do is surrender and just relax through the transit and accept, okay, this is what's going on right now. This is what's going on in my relationship right now. This is what's going on in my work life and what I love to do right now and allow the answers to come to them instead of being like, I have to solve this problem and I have to figure this out now so I can enjoy my art or I can enjoy my lover. There's a need for speed that will never, ever happen with that square.
1: Yeah. So I have a Venus square Pluto in my natal chart. It's within one degree. It's one of my strongest aspects. And everything Heather just said was very spot on. I feel like it's true. I have only ever really done monogamous relationships. I take my relationships very seriously. I can't be lighthearted about them. Pluto makes sure that every relationship I'm in is very intense and not necessarily bad. It's just that I feel it very deeply. And I've always been that way, even with friendships. It's hard for me to think about anything else. When there's a conflict in my relationship, it's going to be at the forefront. And I think that's true of a lot of Venus Square Pluto people. Like, I'm not going to be able to concentrate On much else and my Venus is in Leo my Pluto is in Scorpio.
0: That Leo and Scorpio they're the most passionate placements that you can have and then they're working together but not really because they're squared.
1: Yeah so the square is interesting I feel like the square to me is like a big boulder in the middle of the road and when you get to it it's like you're trying to everything you can to move this boulder when you could just walk around it but for some reason you fixate on the boulder and you're like I need to move this boulder so then everything can be perfect I can go down this road that I want to go down and that's probably true of any square aspect but especially a fixed one
0: yeah that's a perfect way to describe a fixed
1: one yeah so Scorpio and Leo along with Taurus and Aquarius are the fixed signs and so they can be very stubborn and once you've gotten it in your mind that you need to walk down this road in this certain way you're going to be fixated on moving that boulder so you can continue on your path and it's hard to reroute yourself and go in a different direction when you have this other thing in mind so part of these squares in general is just being a little more flexible and not getting too caught up on the way you think it has to be.
0: The other thing too is that fixed energy builds. It's not like you just jump into a relationship when you have that. You build it so it's sacred and you earn so much in it that it makes it harder to just walk away from when something's not going right. You just do want to continue to fix forward and, and focus and move forward and move through it. You're not really afraid of pain when you have that. I'm not talking about like physical pain. I'm talking about the pain of relationship and the pain of, it's about making sure you do all the work you can do to have the best possible relationship. It's also not just about working through the hard times. A lot of that fixed energy also harnesses the let's do this together, let's make this happen, we both like this, how do we live a better life? Like some of that fixation, especially with the fixed energy signs and these two well a pleasured planet and a planet of the underworld is like how do i experience more pleasure how do i experience more joy let's focus on that and i know it's not going to be easy i know we're going to have to go through some shit to get there but they're not afraid of the shit
1: the venus square pluto brings in a little bit of obsession like long-term crushes or infatuations when I was younger I would definitely experience that and I would get fixated on someone and would ignore any realistic possibility because I was like nope in my mind this is the way I want it to be and I mean obviously as I got older that didn't work for me any longer but I feel like the Venus Pluto in the harder aspects can bring about things like that sometimes.
0: Scorpio energy just doesn't like letting go of the lovers.
1: The exaggeration of that would be like fatal attraction or something. But like, there are people, maybe even with the Venus opposite Pluto, that would bring about that. Yeah. And I don't want to say everyone that has that aspect is going to be that way, but that is an unhealthy way that that could manifest.
0: Oh, a Taurus Venus with a Pluto in Scorpio opposition? Yeah. I could see that to be like... Yeah. Love me now, and if you don't, I'll kill you.
1: Yeah, so the opposition is going to bring about difficulties, but it's going to be even harder for the person to see than the square. So, like, with the square, I use the example of the boulder in the road, With the opposition, it's like the boulder is over your whole life. Like there's no way around it. So you have to just work with the boulder. The boulder just becomes a part of your life. And you can chip away at it gradually. But until you learn to live with the boulder, it's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, with an opposition, you want to live with the conflict. And you need to learn how to live with the conflict of, all right, I might never be able to let go of my ex- lover, even though it was a dysfunctional relationship, there's going to be feelings there. I need to accept that while I move in this relationship now that is working for me. You constantly feel, with oppositions in general, it's an opposition. You're going to feel like you are pulled in two different directions and those directions are going to feel like opposite. But the middle, in the middle of the opposition, they both want the same thing so if your pluto is opposing venus you might want to date a bunch of people and also a monogamous relationship you might want your current lover while not being able to let go of your old lover or there might be some overlap in between them as you transition the best thing to do especially with an opposition is to acknowledge both parts If you think of Gemini sun signs and the twins and the I love you, I hate you energy, or I'm drinking coffee, I'm not, you almost have to look at an opposition that way. There are two different parts of yourself that can be perfectly natural that you have to accept instead of being like, oh, this part doesn't look as good as the other part, so I'm just going to repress it and shove it in the corner. It's really important to be like, yeah, I have these different facets and you can only put an opposition together. It can only flow smooth or better than it flows if you acknowledge both parts instead of repressing one part, which is usually what ends up happening. And then it leads to that getting transited and it releasing the aspect in a temper tantrum or a panic attack.
1: That's very insightful. I think that Pluto tends to be the darker side of that, whereas Venus wants to look good. They want to be presenting well. They want to be charming. They want to be attractive. That part of you will want that. So with the Venus opposite Pluto, there might be a need to control through beauty or charm, like the seductress, but actually she's not always aware of that darker side of herself that wants the the control and the power. But just using that sort of charm to kind of disarm and distract yourself from that power that you were actually looking for. So rather than being like, I want power, I'm going to go get it, I'm going to be really obvious, I'm going to be a boss about it, very subtle, it's hidden underneath these sort of external trappings or the way in which you're presenting yourself, using your appearance or using your creativity as a means of getting those things that you want. Will you do the sextile? Yes. So with Venus sextiling Pluto, that's when they're 60 degrees away from each other or just about, and this is a pleasant aspect. Sort of like the trine, but sextiles are maybe even a little gentler than the trines. They're not quite as noticeable, I would say. They tend to be a little more subtle, but the Venus-Pluto sextile, you're going to have those energies working together a little bit more. Unlike with the square and the opposition, they are going to be fairly pleasant. You're probably going to have a good deal of confidence, I would say. Confidence in who you are. Confidence in the way that we talked about Venus trying Pluto with Jimi Hendrix and Boy George. These are all very confident, dynamic people. With the sextile, it might not be so outwardly obvious. A little more humble.
0: It would be a little more humble. I actually... Rarely interpret sextiles because of their subtlety, but the subtlety of a sextile is harmonious, so you don't pay attention to it because it's so harmonious and lighthearted. It is not edgy at all, it doesn't have that 90 degree angle of a square. You're not coming up against anything, it just brings a lot of ease, so you would have an easy time making friends an easier time in relationships. Communication might just be a little more fluid, even though we're not talking about mercury, but communication and vulnerability, you might not feel like you would have a hard time being vulnerable, it just comes off really natural. I would say that sextiles are just natural ease, so they're a little hard for me personally to define and explain because they are so subtle, I look at it as one of those things as nothing's wrong, so you don't really
1: pay attention to it. I'm looking at a list of some celebrities that have Venus sextile Pluto, Meg Ryan, John Coltrane, Prince Charles. So these are all people that are maybe not so outwardly eccentric and magnetic as the Venus trine Pluto celebrities we talked about, but they're all... Still, they have an eye for beauty. You know, they have like a community around them. Like Meg Ryan was considered America's sweetheart. People tend to like them. They gravitate toward them. They're kind of refined. They're classic. Sophisticated. Yeah. yeah, there's almost a sophistication there. So the Pluto helps them to gain some level of power and control just naturally. They don't even have to really try for it. It's just there. They just do what they do. They And it's there. Whether through their creative talents like John Coltrane or through birth like Prince Charles.
0: All right, so we promised we would talk about somebody's chart. Are we ready to move to this?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be a new segment of the podcast every time. If you want to send us your birth chart, you can do that. There will be information at the end of this episode as to how to do that. You can send us a message on social media or email us. But anyway, we're going to be picking a chart randomly each week. And we can't guarantee that we're going to get to everyone's. We had quite a few submissions already, so we're going to do our best. But today we're going to be talking about a lovely Virgo who sent us her chart. And we are going to be calling her Cactus Flower. That's a fun thing. You get an alias when you send us your chart and we pick you.
0: And the aliases is based on your chart. So the reason why we picked Cactus Flower is the sun, moon, and rising of Cactus Flower is on the more skeptical side. The sun was in Virgo, the moon... I have to pull the chart up. It was the moon in Capricorn?
1: moon's Aquarius and the rising Mm. is Capricorn.
0: Yeah, those are all kind of skeptical or analytical signs. They usually have a really dry sense of humor, really, really funny, really, really sarcastic. But that is actually not why we picked the chart. We picked it based on the Pluto-Venus conjunction which is opposite, it's very, very passionate about that. So the name, the cactus flower, if you think of a flowering cactus, it takes so much effort to burst open and create that beautiful flower of years of just like sucking up the water and trying to understand the emotional energy and processing it. Those three signs, the sun, moon, and rising, are a little bit more cerebral than emotional, but the aspect in the chart that we're going to talk about is extremely passionate. It's Venus conjunct Pluto to the exact degree or within one degree? Within one degree. And those are in Scorpio, so...
1: And it fit into the theme of the episode very well, or we actually base the theme around that aspect. So thank you for inspiring us, Cactus Flower. We want to make these segments insightful for people, no matter if this is your birth chart or not. So we'll try to keep this in the same fashion as the rest of the episodes to some extent. Cactus Flower has, just to paint a picture, she has her Venus at 6 degrees Scorpio and her Pluto at 5 degrees Scorpio, so that's within one degree, that's considered a conjunction. So with a conjunction that means the two planets are together, they're working together, And they kind of operate as one unit. So with the sextile and the trine, they work together pretty well, but it's still obvious. There's a difference between the planets. You can see it, you can feel it with this square in the opposition, there's a difference and they're not working together as well. But with the conjunction, they kind of work together as a single unit. So here we have a Venus Pluto conjunction. They're operating together as a team, whatever the Venus does, the Pluto does as well and vice versa.
0: Also, Pluto and Scorpio are where it's supposed to be. Pluto being in Scorpio is where it's supposed to be. To me, the Venus in Scorpio makes sense as well. This is a highly passionate and probably sexual combination. It would make cactus flower very passionate, where those things we talked about in the beginning are, again, more cerebral. But there's a passion to make things work in life. There's a passion for relationships. Relationships go really deep and the work in this could be somewhat extreme sometimes as they're both in Scorpio and in conjunction. The need to work through something is going to be huge. The need to work through a relationship with a mother or father could be huge or a lover or partner. This could be... A very uh, a placement where you're in a relationship for too long and it could be long overdue and you might need to end it but it might be very very hard to end it because of the desire and intensity of the way Scorpios want something to work so badly but they're also so intuitive Scorpio might know when to let go when they're not getting what they want anymore.
1: Yeah, I think that with Scorpio, or with any Venus-Pluto conjunction, there's an intensity from the beginning. So like we were talking about with Venus-Square-Pluto, it's going to be hard for them to maintain a really light relationship. They're not going to be the kind of casually date around. Like, if they do that, they're going to need a real close, strong attraction and connection to the people they're with. And I think they can fixate on people, too, but Scorpio can also close off if they feel like they've been wronged. They would It would take them being wronged for them to close off and pull away. Scorpio energy, it's hard for them to just forgive and forget. Yeah. They're going to file it away. And even if they do forgive you, they're going to hold on to it and remember it.
0: And that's how they grow. They grow by remembering what things feel like and pushing through. And with Cactus Flower, you may constantly feel like you're pushing through something and... You're in a constant transition of changing your relationship or forming your relationship. Your chart as a whole, too, might make it difficult to put yourself out there.
1: With Venus and Pluto conjunct, as I said earlier, they're going to be working together as one unit. So it's going to really be hard to if you have Venus conjunct Pluto in your chart, like Cactus Flower, or if you are Cactus Flower, you're going to notice that the way that you interpret beauty is kind of through this Plutonian lens. And the way that you deal with these Pluto issues like power and control is going to be very Venusian. So together they're going to work as a team. So they might have a very creative eye, but they also might it might be hard to go with the flow with that type of creativity. They're going to want to have some degree of control over it.
0: It's a laser beam focus. Yeah. Is that, is that what we're trying to get at? Yeah. It's like, it's like a laser beam spitting out your third eye and just being like, this is what I see right now and I'm going to figure every single thing about it out in detail. It, it doesn't quite see outside the box.
1: No, exactly. It can get fixated, which, which is what we've talked about in this Pluto episode. I think you would probably be very intent on forming really close relationships, whether that be with friends, with romantic partners, with creative partners. Surface level small talk is going to really not work for someone with this Venus-Pluto conjunction. I think you're going to really want to get to the bottom of everything right away with people. This is somebody who's just going to dive in, especially with these two signs in Scorpio. You're going to see it intently. You're going to be diving into the deepest waters, and that's where you like to be. That's where you like to live.
0: Trust is huge. Mm -hmm. Learning to trust someone, and that might take a while, which the other parts of your chart might be a little bit impatient to earn that trust, but you keep going and going until... You get there and testing, testing people to trust them is another thing that could happen with this conjunction.
1: Scorpio does that and so does Pluto. So when you add in Venus, you might see that in romantic relationships. There might be a certain playing with fire just to see how much you can get away with. That might be a more unhealthy way in which that manifests, but it could also be that you are very trustworthy yourself. I feel like this particular combination, you would never betray anyone because you're so dedicated You're so there for them.
0: There's a high moral integrity to this and the way people should be treated, how to trust loyalty. And with the testing too, I think it's also a testing of how much of me are you going to accept because cactus flower's biggest thing is going to be acceptance and validation without having to really act or be somewhere else. What Scorpios know who they are?
1: They do. Yeah, they know who they are and they're not really willing to compromise that usually. And unless they have a major change of heart that allows them to evolve, but they are going to be very sure of themselves, very confident. And so with Venus third in, they aren't going to want to sacrifice that for a partner. And they expect the same from their partner. The level of loyalty and trust that they adhere to in their own life, they're going to want their partner to do that as well. With Cactus Flower being a Virgo, I think that the morality is really highlighted again. This is somebody who is probably very specific about the way they believe people should be treated. This could kind of be somebody who's fighting for the underdog, fighting for those who don't have a voice. There's definitely a strong passion for... Allowing people to have a safe environment.
0: Yeah, the humanitarian energy, too, of the Aquarian Moon and the duty of the Capricorn rising is really, like, get it together, people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, why can't you just rise to be better? (laughs) And it's funny because Aquarian Moons, I think we talked about this in the last episode, Aquarian Moon tends to be maybe the least monogamous moon sign but with this Venus and Pluto conjunction, I feel like this person would be more inclined to settle down or to have a close tie with someone. Absolutely. Yeah, that's
0: going to outweigh it. Plus the Virgo and the Capricorn, they don't want to deal with extreme emotional complication. There's so much passion in that Pluto-Venus conjunction, but there's a simplicity in the Virgo-Capricorn trying it's harmonious yeah, the Virgo and the capricorn are getting along well and they're just like what's the most efficient what is simple how can i make this happen and the scorpio energy with the venus and pluto is very devoted i want to love i want to feel i want passion and if i can organize that this is how it's going to look
1: the thing when you have a conjunction That means that any other aspects to those planets, it's going to hit both of those at once. So that's why I say Mm -hmm. they're operating as a unit. So let's say Cactus Flower had a...
0: The moon is opposing Cactus Flower right now.
1: Okay, so the moon... Today, as we record this, the moon is in Taurus, which means that the moon is going to directly be opposing both Venus and Pluto together at the same time. So any transit that happens to Venus also happens to Pluto at the same time because this is such a close conjunction. So this is going to exaggerate those feelings. Anytime those get triggered by any type of transit, you're going to be feeling that as a unit. The Venus-Pluto energy as a unit is going to work together. Yeah, you
0: might notice today is a little bit more of a reactive day and you're struggling a little more with trying to have self-control and maybe trying to put stuff away to deal with it later, feeling a little bit overly sensitive or a little bit extra triggered. The moon moves like, it's so fluid, by the end of the day you'll be feeling completely different.
1: So she's not going to hear this until our episode comes out in like a week and a half, but I will say that anytime the moon is in Taurus, you'll notice that. Yeah. All right, so if you have any questions about that cactus flower, you can get in touch with us, and if anyone else would like to submit their birth chart to us, or if there's any part of astrology that you're interested in learning about, you can send us a message. We will talk at you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Pisces Rising. If you have an astrology question you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, you can email us at PiscesRisingPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at at PiscesRisingPodcast or like us on Facebook. You can visit StonesAndStuff.com, that's S-T-O-N-E-S-A-N-D-S-T-U-F-F.com for info on booking an astrology reading. Have a magical day.